And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 224, aka season 3, episode 44, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, and uh, MC was out of town with uh, taking care of some family business, so no MC this week. That means no call-in numbers uh, for you guys to dial, like you did anyway, uh, and that also means we have another edition uh, of of Richie Rich reads the news um, because when there's no conversation, <laughs> when there's no person to have a conversation with, there's no conversation to be had. Uh, it gets kind of monotonous for me just to ramble on and prattle about. So we give you some of the headlines that I found this week that I think could be of value to you if you missed them. So let's jump right in uh, to the headlines. Headline: uh, The Libertarian Movement. Headline. Conservatives against liberty. Headline, privatizing public land doesn't mean turning them into shopping centers. Uh, headline, why businesses should be free to make money. Headline, can summer jobs reduce violent crimes. Uh, headline, have we hit peak podcast. All right, this is not a normal headline that would go on the show, and it was it would have been nice to, to have MC with the conversation on this, um, but we may skip that one uh, depending on time constraints. A headline, judge rules Florida can require a license to give out diet tips. And finally, headline, dumb Minnesota beer law punishes successful breweries. Uh, so here we go. From the top, the libertarian movement uh, from Bionic Mosquito on Lou Rockwell. Just so you know when it's talking about the eyes. I will meander a bit. I think there is a common thread throughout this post, but I probably won't spend too much time to try and tie it all together. In some fashion, an idea buried in here might end up being a chapter in the book. Perhaps your feedback will trigger something in me that will point to how and why. Uh, it's the book that they're uh, upcoming. This vicious attack on Dr. Paul from Nicholas Sarwark is really awful. Read it and weep for our movement. My interest is not in Sarwark's attack. I haven't bothered reading the most recent attack from Sarwark as I've dealt with him in the past and links to those. Nothing surprises me here. My interest is in Walter's comments regarding our movement. I have addressed this issue once before, uh, again, link given, but given the path I have walked since, I feel it worth addressing again. I will summarize my earlier comments. Left libertarians have more in common with the left generally than they do with conservative libertarians. Conservative libertarians have more in common with other conservatives than they do left libertarians. In other words, the value we hold in our libertarian-ishness is relative to the other values we hold, is small relative to the other values we hold. On what basis would I want to form a movement with abortion-approving, LGBTQ++++ supporting, open borders, universalist libertarians? On what basis would libertarians who support such issues want to form a movement with me? Uh, Jay Engels captures this well in his essay entitled Libertarianism's Place in Society. Libertarianism as a unifying spirit is only conceivable because we operate in a world that has experienced the imposition of a political society. Uh, again, comments on this piece uh, in another link. Libertarians are connected to each other in their varying levels of anti-statism. But this only means that libertarians see the problem only one way, through one lens and with one tool available to deal with it. And it is the state that has defined the way the lens, and the tool that many libertarians choose to use. How does one get a movement out of that? Engels continues his examination of these ideas uh, here in another link, looking at the differences between rightism and leftism and how libertarians relate to these distinct frameworks of social interpretation. If we think that liberty will be found at the end of the road called libertarianism, we are sorely mistaken. I must admit, I remain tremendously struck by Murray Rothbard's comments on ethical absolutism. Yes, he is in favor, citing Rothbard. What I have been trying to say is that the Mises utilitarian relativist approach to ethics is not nearly enough to establish a full case for liberty. It must be supplemented by an absolutist ethic, 
an ethic of liberty as well as other values needed for the health and development of the individual grounded on natural law, i.e. discovery of the laws of man's nature. A full case for liberty will be found on the road that includes other values grounded on discovered natural law. This really got me thinking, how much have others, even his supporters, misrepresented Rothbard when it comes to libertarianism and liberty? Or am I the only one that found Rothbard's statement of what's necessary for a full case for liberty inconsistent with what some of his supporters and many of his detractors characterize as Rothbard's view? Libertarians inherently accept an absolute ethic regarding certain values. Do not hit first, do not steal my stuff. What makes these acceptable? Why are these absolute? Why do we accept these? If these are absolute and acceptable, why do libertarians believe that these are the only absolute and acceptable values for humans? Why do libertarians not concede that there are other absolute and objective values for humans and for human liberty? Why, when some libertarians point out the necessity of other values, if liberty is the objective and they, the ones labeled thick? Conclusion. Uh, When it comes to finding liberty, Rothbard certainly does not believe that there are the only absolute and acceptable values. As it is true for almost everything else I have written, I come to find that Rothbard already wrote the book. Epilogue. I know that I have read this work from Rothbard before long ago. I think I must not have been mature enough to understand it. Uh, End of the article. So earlier this week, uh, I posted a poll in one of the... Uh, local groups on Facebook of which I am a part, um, basically illustrating my experience of the schism uh, or the infighting amongst movement members here. Uh, and again, here being New Hampshire, I moved for the Free State Project uh, last year, so been here almost a year now. Uh, and I don't involve myself in much at all for varying reasons. Um, especially the political side, right? This is the anarchist experience. Uh, I don't vote. I don't sign petitions. I don't sign wave. I don't help politicians out uh, at all for the most part. Uh, And so some may have described me uh, collectively as one of the do-nothing movers. Uh, Those of us that moved and then just kind of moved. But I maintain that the only real protest is a tax protest. Uh, and for someone, people who, you know, don't like the word protest, uh, get over it. Um, it is what it is, you know, tax stance, tax, you know, rebellion. I don't care. doesn't matter. Um, uh, and so, you know, I, but I do, I do go to social events, right? I do go to social events and I do pay attention to what's going on. Otherwise, uh, even if I don't participate, uh, spectator sports for me and even, uh, you know, one of the prominent members uh, in the local community commented on my my poll which we'll get to in a minute uh, basically saying that you know the highlighting the infighting doesn't really help um, you know and something to that effect and I and said do you want to just stand by and be a spectator and I said yeah I'll take the popcorn I will definitely take the popcorn uh, and and watch this play out Um, because again it's it's silly on my part and this is where I, I found then I found this article oddly enough found this article after that post so the current infighting that seems to be occurring uh, within the the local community is the uh, the racist versus the feminist and you can break that down like the, this article suggests into a left right paradigm or a left right shift or a left right, uh, you know, scale of some kind, uh, where their their views are incompatible with each other, um, and both sides seem to appear to want to be a part of the libertarian movement. Um, and even as an anarchist, still consider myself a part of the movement because it the 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 goal is a hundred percent complete liberty. Uh, you know, the in anarchy if you will, you know, however, however you want to phrase it, libertarian paradise, uh, complete liberty, you know, the, the anarchist experience where there's no state, no overarching government, no one controlling you, and you get to basically do what you want. Um, and the movement, uh, insofar as its, you know, stated goals have to be described as failing to this point, right? If you're on the political side, 
Um, you go like, well, how many libertarians are actually elected and are they effective in what they do? And the answer is not very, right? The, uh, progress is slow um, and sometimes not at all, depending on the, the level you get to, like on the federal level, not happening so much at all, right? The, the, the libertarian party gets excited for one or 2% <laughs> votes. It's like, woo, we got two. That's double what we got last year. And it's nonsense. So there's always... There's there's failure around every corner uh, for the for the for the quote unquote movement, uh, and that's where the the blame and the name calling and the schisms start to show, uh, because if it was successful, uh, people would just highlight the success and not really care. In my opinion, I wouldn't. Uh, but seeing as how failure lurks around every corner, uh, this is you know this is why the the blame game gets played. So my poll question. Uh, at the time, was who's ruining the liberty movement? Uh, and I limited the, the poll answers to just these two to highlight this this schism. Um, people commented other suggestions, uh, which is fine, but not the, not the idea, and not wouldn't have had the same um, comedy impact that I was going for. So like, it, which is why I also didn't allow uh, other answers to be put in. Like you you can comment whatever you want. Um, but th this is the only two things right now, because this is, in my observation, these are the only two. Uh, and the poll answers were uh, racists who adhere to the non-aggression principle or feminists who don't adhere to the non-aggression principle. Um, and I think feminists won the poll as far as who's who's ruining the, the liberty movement, uh, as it were. Um, and then again, then I found this article, and this article basically highlights... Um, you know, one of the ideas that was floating, and again, not the best article in the world, but more eloquently uh, than I may have been able to put it, and that is um, the the feminists, you know, who are ruining the libertarian movement, have more in common uh, with left and Democrats and you know the the Antifa and you know the the progressives, as it were, uh, than they do with. Um, conservative libertarians right and the the quote-unquote racist the white nationalists the the alt-right uh have more in uh, more in common with the republican party the conservative movement you know the the right side of the the benches if you will than they do with anything on the left democrat side uh even though they even though they all claim to be part of the libertarian movement and this schism is nothing new uh, within the within the movement. <clears throat> um, I remember long ago, before I made the move, uh, the the big schism over who was ruining the movement uh, was between the inside the system activists, you know, those who vote and get politically active and you know run campaigns and hold signs and wave and go testify in front of the legislature and beg for uh, you know permission to be allowed to do the things that they want to do. Um, and the outside the system activists, the people who were, you know, non-compliant, the people doing civil disobedience, uh, those that didn't beg permission, they just went out and did it and, you know, damn the consequences, uh, if there were any, because when you have enough people, it's, it's hard to catch us all. And I say us because I do include myself uh, on that side of the spectrum, right? Like I said, not political at all. I'm not, I'm not going to go testify in front of, you know, the legislature. I'm not going to hold a sign or wave a sign or vote for a candidate or, or, or do anything like that. Um, and the, the caveat to that always being that unless, unless the campaign is run satirically, uh, such as the vote for nobody campaign going on in one of the other, uh, other cities here. Um, if it's a satirical candidate run, right, then maybe I can support it, right? Vermin Supreme, uh, follow him on Facebook, shared one of his posts, you know, uh, the, you know, give them the best boot to lick if they want to lick a boot or whatever, because he wears that silly boot on his head. Clearly a satirical candidacy, uh, one worthy of praise and support, uh, in my opinion, because it, it's designed not to win, but only to illustrate, uh, the ludicrousness of the entire situation. <clears throat> so that was, that was the schism then, right? The, 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 the politicos, uh, versus the non-politicos, um, and, you know, I don't remember all the different schisms that have been ruining the movement since then. Um, but now now it's, you know, the it's back to left versus right, uh, conservatives versus liberals, uh, feminists versus racist. And 
the biggest problem uh, with that schism is mostly the feminists who want to uh, kick out the racist. And I'm not saying I'm racist, and I'm not saying that they they belong uh, in the movement. Uh, what I want to get to is what I, in one of the comments, uh, as I was thinking about these ideas more and, and flushing things out, was the difference, in my opinion, between principles and values. Excuse me, principles and values. Insofar as the basis, the basic fundamental foundational principle uh, for libertarianism and the liberty movement has always been an adherence to the non-aggression principle. Uh, I've heard it referred to as the non-aggression axiom uh, because uh, it starts there. And once you accept that truism, uh, if you can accept that as a truism, um, the everything else builds off of it. And as the article said, the non-aggression principle, um, the, the, the core underlying belief system is that you should not aggress against other individuals. It's a peaceful ideal, right? Don't hit others. Don't take their stuff. Um, and does it need to be, uh, does it need to be the, the only, um, the only, the only absolute, uh, as, as stated in the article? No, it doesn't. I'm sure there are others, but this is, this is so fundamental and so foundational, um, that it could be the only absolute, <clears throat> When is it ever okay uh, to aggress against somebody else, to, to hit them, to take their stuff, to, to violate their rights without, without recourse or without compensation? Uh, and the answer is, it's not, right? If, if, if they do it first, right, it's like rules of war. Once fired upon, then you can fire back, and then it's no longer aggression. Like, it no longer fits the definition. It's, it's now, you know, defensive violence. Uh, and I'm never, I've never been against violence. I'm, I'm pro-violence. Uh, almost universally across the board, which is a whole separate discussion that maybe we'll talk about. Uh, but so, yeah, that's the absolute. So when it comes down to the the quote-unquote movement, that's it, right? It's, it's do you agree on the core principles of don't hit people and don't take their stuff? And there are uh, quote-unquote uh, racists uh, who don't do that, right? Because another aspect of, you know, the, the movement, right, and this doesn't have to be a core absolute, but it definitely fits the principle, is voluntary association. You know, hanging out with whom you choose to hang out with. Uh, doing business with whom you choose to do business with. Uh, associating with whom you wish to associate with. And as long as you're not violating the rights of somebody else, as long as you're not uh, hitting them or taking their stuff, there's no reason why you have to associate with anybody. It's absurd to think that everyone within the movement is going to get along. So voluntarily factioning off uh, is a thing, right? So this is the other separation. Once you can agree on core principles, then the likelihood is that you're going to faction off based on other values. And those other values can be any number of things. Right. There's a there's a whole section of the movement uh, devoted to family values and homeschooling and how to raise children uh, within this this overarching belief structure. Uh, And then there's, you know, the the other side of things. I don't even want to call it the other side, just uh, other values. Uh, There's the you know, the the uh, I don't want I don't know how to not sound negative when I say this, but there's the the party values. Right, the 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 drinking, the 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 drugs, the the party lifestyle, which is perfectly fine, as well, as long as you don't hit others uh, and you don't take their stuff. But the likelihood of people holding the family values, right, the you know the the raising of children, are going to co-mingle successfully uh, with those who you know are are in alignment with the party values, for lack of a better term. I don't even know what to call it, um, but I think you get the idea, right? The, you know, should you be allowed to, to uh, ingest whatever substances you choose? Yes, absolutely, you should be allowed. Um, but some people, uh, myself included, just choose not to. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that choice or choosing to do it, right? I don't, I don't, uh, I don't bemoan anyone who does. Um, it's just not a choice that I... Ch- that I make. Um, 
but can I get along with them? Sure. Absolutely. Can they get along with me? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, and, and, and again, there's so many other, uh, values and factions that, that you can get into, right. Uh, you know, firearms could be another one, uh, because there's, you know, open carrying and concealed carrying is a big part of, you know, exercising your freedom and only people who are allowed to own guns or only people that do own guns, uh, can truly be free because it's the easiest way to defend yourself against an encroachment of that freedom. Um, and then there's people who just, you know, again, like myself included, just never grew up, uh, in that gun culture, right? I, I moved from Hawaii. They, they, are there gun owners in Hawaii? Sure. But the laws are so restrictive, uh, that it's not what I would consider to be a gun culture. Right, I don't. I've never gone to a grocery store and saw people open carrying, concealed carrying, maybe because you never fucking know, right? Um, but open carrying on the hip, right? Go to dinner and it's oh, there it is. Um, you know that that's common here, um, and I'm not put off by it. I'm not turned away by it. Um, it's just not one of the the groups um, that I faction off with necessarily, right? We can talk about it. Um, and the normies, the people not even in the movement, right? The guns are a big part of the culture here in general. Um, and it's, and it's no big deal. It just wasn't before. So there's, there's lots of things that people can hold as valuable, right? The, the, the core values of their personhood and their personality, uh, that aren't in alignment with everyone else's. And I think the big problem with this, this schism, this breakdown, this, uh, who's ruining the movement is because people are trying to superimpose their values on top of the core principles, right? Uh, the core principle is don't hit people and don't take their stuff. Uh, and since the, the feminists won the poll as being the ones ruining the movement, um, it's their insistence on in, inclusionary tactics Right. The only way to grow the movement is to, you know, bring in more females and more uh, persons of color uh, in, in their words. And like, fine. Right. But not at the expense of uh, not following principles. Right. Not just any woman, <clears throat> not just any person of color, uh, but those individuals uh, who adhere to the fundamental core principle of non-aggression, right? Don't hit people, don't take their stuff. If you get more of those people in, and that was another point that I had made uh, in, in a, you know, not in a poll, but in a, in a previous question, is uh, why why the, the, the females that leave the movement, right? When they quote unquote, they leave the movement because they were, um, you know, there's, there's too much masculinity, too much male energy, too much, uh, chauvinism and, and toxic masculinity or all that, uh, within the movement, um, that they didn't want to be a part of it. Did they stop adhering to the non-aggression principle? Did they stop uh, holding that as a core, uh, fundamental part, uh, of, of their value system? Because if so, a good riddance, I guess, like, I don't, I don't really care to have the, the, I don't really care to associate with people who don't adhere to the non-aggression principle or who advocate violence and theft and threats thereof against those who do, right? Because then we're forced to be defensive. Uh, but yeah, so, so if you adhere to the principles, you can be a part of the movement. And that's where, um, in my opinion, the racial aspect gets a little skewed. And again, personally, not racist. Could someone find something uh, racist about me? Sure, because I love off-colored jokes and and bad comedy, right? But it, it does does not make me a racist. Just my sensibilities uh, may be skewed because I'm desensitized to lots of things, uh, which is why none of this really bothers me. It's just just an observation. Um, but a, a a racist who adheres to the non-aggression principle and who uh, chooses to voluntary, voluntarily associate with who they choose to, uh, whether that being uh, only whites or only blacks or only Chineses uh, or only or only or only whatever or only only you want, right? Whatever it is that you want, like because it, it racism isn't only a white thing, right? It goes all the way around the block, the, despite the narrative, um, is perfectly in alignment with the non-aggression principle and voluntary association. 
right? You they don't they they don't actively uh, violate the rights of the the people they are racist against necessarily, or those that don't. I'm gonna say those that don't uh, are are perfectly adherent to the non-aggression principle. Those that do, entirely different story, right? If rights violations, you're already not in not not adhering to the principles. You don't belong. <clears throat> but those that do adhere to the principles could belong. Whether or not they belong inside of the movement or whether it's just movement friendly, right, is, is, is a stupid dis, uh, discernment to make because if you adhere to the principles, you're in. Like that's that's the core fundamentals uh, of this whole thing. So they, they, they voluntarily associate with whom they choose and that's it. And they don't, they don't uh, actively seek violence. They don't actively, you know, commit violence. They don't actively commit rights violations. They just go like, no, I, I don't want to associate with that person or those people or, you know, for whatever reason, in, in their case, color of skin, melanin content, uh, as stupid as that sounds, <laughs> um, but perfectly fine on principle, right? And on principle is where, uh, is, is where the, the fundamentals and the foundational aspect of it lie. Now, are they perfectly fine on values? No. Not at all. The values are fucked up and skewed way out of proportion with anything else. Um, but that's that's again that's why the the movement is uh, factionalized um, and and skewed or schismed is because everyone in the movement who adheres to the same principle need not necessarily adhere to the same value system above and beyond. And I have previously called uh, a lot of these value systems. Uh, libertarianism plus, or, you know, uh, NAP plus, right? Because it's, it's the, you know, it's the, the adherence to the non-aggression principle. And then what more must we do? Right. The, the, it, it was, uh, prominent on the left side of things, uh, because that, that was always, you know, my opinion, the libertarian plus positions, the, the right libertarians was nope, non-aggression. And that's where we stop. And that's why that's, you know, more of my come from as well, because everything else does, that, that goes above and beyond that is plus. So the plus positions was libertarianism is don't hit people, don't take, don't take their stuff. And then we must, as part of the movement to build it and to grow it, um, you know, start charities and build schools and help people and take care of the children and find ways to, to make social security um, uh, alternatives for the elderly so that all members of society are taken care of and we we must do all these things uh, in the name of libertarianism. I go, well, that's that's a whole set of different values that I don't share, right? I don't care. I've never cared, right? That you know, I'm that's, that's I'm callous uh, in that way, and and you know, some might say I lack human compassion in that way, and it's not it's not my responsibility uh, to find out what alter to to uh, create the alternatives uh, for social security and health care for those who. Uh, might get wiped out. Like if we ended the state uh, tomorrow or today, right? It's early enough in the morning. We can do that shit today. If we ended the state today, what will become of all the retirees who've been counting on Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. We must take care of them. I go, no, we don't. We don't, right? Because that that's a trap uh, to perpetuate the system as it is now and it will only get worse, right? Uh, I'm fine with a little bit of collateral damage, um, if that means going forward, uh, there is no state, there is no overarching government control of anything, right? Are, are we going to lose some along the way? Yes, we are. Um, and if we're not willing to make that sacrifice, right, then we might as well just end the movement now uh, because the movement isn't going to end the state and still be able to have the state sponsorship of taking care of the old, the infirm, the elderly, the poor, the weak, the meek, the mild, the children. Um, it just, it can't happen, right? And if you're going to build up the charities alongside that, um, by all means, go for it, right? But don't tell me that we can't put an end to the state until you're fucking ready uh, with those things to get going because I don't have that kind of time. I don't have time for you to rebuild all the, the social infrastructure uh, that's in place before we put an end to this, right? And I'll tie it into another subject that's a hot topic issue right now, the whole border thing, right? Uh, we can't have open borders because we have welfare. Well, you're missing the goddamn point, right? You end the welfare, the borders become a non-issue, 
right? That's the biggest complaint is that they, they come here and they take our jobs and they take the welfare and we'll pick one, you know, first of all, pick one. They either taking the jobs or they're taking the welfare. Uh, and either way, the evidence is not in your favor on that issue either. Uh, so just, man, I lost my train of thought for half a second there. So what I'm saying is just, you know, pick, pick one. Um, but I don't, I'm not going to wait. I don't have to wait for the welfare system to cease to exist or for alternatives to be built in place before I can say, no, 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 free people, free borders, man. You know, open borders have at it. It's different from private property, obviously, or maybe not so obviously, but that's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother schism, right? The, the, the open borders versus closed border libertarian, uh, who's ruining that part of the movement, right? Which one violates the NAP and which one doesn't? Uh, let's, you know, let's, let's have that discussion as to how uh, open borders is an NAP violation, uh, because it's not. And closed borders is more likely to be, uh, because it's state involvement. If you know, uh, for every topic, if we want to discuss it from a libertarian, from an anarchist, from a voluntarist perspective, you have to eliminate the functions of the state. You have to eliminate the role of the state uh, in its current form to find out what the solutions will be going forward. Uh, and if you and if you don't eliminate the state, you're already setting yourself up for an immoral, you have an immoral premise and you'll have an immoral solution, right? That won't, that has no further benefit beyond that. So you have to, it may be a theoretical, it might be, you know, just a, 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 a hypothetical scenario. It might be a waste of time doing these thought experiments, um, but that's the only way to find the true answers uh, in, in, in a libertarian, uh, system in an, in, in an anarchist experience in a libertarian world, absent the state, you have to start discussing those, those solutions, uh, without the state involvement so that we can work towards that goal, work towards that end and, and waiting around, uh, for, for that to happen is folly, right? We just end it now and then we'll figure it out. Uh, and again, personally, I'm okay with collateral damage. If you're not, well, fucking get on that then, because I'm not, I don't want to wait around for you. Um, so as you can see, there's, you know, like, like this, uh, article said, there's plenty of differences between, uh, people within the movement, our movement, the libertarian movement. Um, there, there's so many differences that the only thing, the thinnest of threads tying it all together is the reliance on the non-aggression principle. Uh, and his, you know, his uh, question at the end is, you know, could there be other absolutes and acceptable, acceptable values? Uh, no, I'm going to say no, because, you know, if there were, they would have to, they, they, they would fall into the plus position um, because they're the fundamental core aspect of it is don't hit people, don't take their stuff, don't aggress. Right. And anything beyond that, it's not going to be shared by everyone. And the NAP isn't even shared by everyone, which is why the the movement is marginalized in the greater society, right? It's why the, the politicos only get one to 2% uh, on the federal level is because 99% of everybody else doesn't adhere to the NAP, doesn't want to adhere to the NAP. And it's the thinnest of threads, like I said, uh, tying the movement together. And it's the only thing tying the movement together. If you get rid of that, then you just have, you know, the left versus the right again. And that there's no, uh, there's no real middle ground for libertarians, anarchists, volunteers, whatever to exist, uh, simply because the, the only thing that keeps us, you know, together in our own little world, in our own little shell, uh, is the adherence to the NAP. And if you don't adhere to the NAP, uh, then you're not one of us. You don't belong in the movement, uh, and if you adhere to the NAP, well, then I would personally say that you are part of the movement, uh, whether or not everyone wants to make it official or put you on the outs for whatever reason. Um, but then it's just a matter of collective values, right? The, the movement, uh, the, the, the vast majority of the movement shares one set of values uh, and is exclusionary to people who hold a different set of values. Uh, and the fight continues, right? Who's going to control the set of values of the overarching liberty movement? And the, the, the real answer is nobody. There's not. They can't be. It's just, you know, the, the NAP or bust. Uh, if you adhere, you're in. If you don't, you're out. Um, and that's, that's all it takes to really be a libertarian. 
all the other policy decisions, all the other aspects, the political aspects of it, uh, get washed out the window um, once you decide that you're not going to adhere to the NAP, in my opinion. And that's all I have to say about that. So who else is against liberty? Well, headline, conservatives against liberty. Uh, reading into the article, recently, several prominent social and populist conservatives have attacked libertarianism. These conservatives, some of whom are allies in the fight against our hyper-interventionist foreign policy, blame libertarianism for a variety of social and economic ills. The conservatives, the conservative attack on libertarianism, like the attack on the freedom philosophy launched by the leftist, is rooted in factual economic and philosophical errors. Libertarianism's right-wing critics claim libertarianism is the dominant ideology of the Republican establishment. This is an odd claim, since the Republican leadership embraces anti-libertarian policies like endless wars, restrictions on civil liberties, government interference in our personal lives, and massive spending increases on welfare as well as warfare. Anti-libertarian conservatives confuse libertarianism with the authoritarian neoliberalism embraced by both major parties. This confusion may be why these conservatives blame libertarians for the American middle class's eroding standard of living. Conservatives are correct to be concerned about the economic challenges facing the average American, but they are mistaken to place the blame on the free market. The American people are not suffering from an excess of free markets. They suffer from an excess of taxes, regulations, and especially fiat money. Therefore, populist conservatives should join libertarians in seeking to eliminate federal regulations, repeal the 16th Amendment, and restore a free market monetary system. Instead of fighting to end the welfare regulatory system that benefits economics and political elites at the expense of average Americans, populist conservatives are promoting increased economic interventionism. For example, many populist conservatives support increased infrastructure spending and tariffs and other forms of protectionism. Like all forms of central planning, these schemes prevent goods and services from being used for the purposes most valued by consumers. This distorts the marketplace and lowers living standards, including of people whose jobs are temporarily saved or created by these government interventions. Those workers would be better off in the long term to find new jobs in a free market. <clears throat> Anti-free market conservatives ignore how their policies harm those they claim to care about. For example, protectionism harms farmers and other working, others working in businesses depending on international trade. The most common complaint of social conservatives is that libertarianism promotes immorality. These conservatives confuse a libertarian's opposition to outlawing drugs, for example, with moral approval of drug use. Many libertarians condemn drug use and other destructive behaviors. However, libertarians reject the use of government force to prevent individuals from choosing to engage in these behaviors. Instead, libertarians support the right of individuals to use peaceful means to persuade others not to engage in destructive or immoral behaviors. Libertarians also support the right of individuals not to associate with or to subsidize in any way those whose lifestyles or beliefs they find objectionable. Social conservatives object to libertarians because being social well, so sorry. Social conservatives object to libertarians because social conservatives wish to use government power to force people to be good. This is the worst type of statism because it seeks to control our minds and souls. Most people accept the idea that it is wrong to initiate force against those engaging in peaceful behaviors. Libertarians apply this non-aggression principle to government. Making government follow the non-aggression principle would end unjust wars, income and inflation taxes, and the destruction caused by the use of force to control what we do with our property, how we raise our children, who we associate with, and what we put in our bodies. Making government abide by the non-aggression principle is the only way to restore a society that is free, prosperous, and moral. Uh, end of the article. And let's be clear. Uh, if, if, you, if you apply the non-aggression principle to government and force them to adhere to it, uh, they stop being a government. <laughs> that, that's that the, the the two are mutually exclusive. They're incommensurable differences. You cannot have a government adhering to the non-aggression principle and still be considered a government. <clears throat> Maybe a, a a life organization, a life coach organization, a life assistance organization, um, something to that effect. Another thought that went through my head some time ago on how that works. Um, 
But if the government follows the NAP, uh, they, they cease to exist. And I'm, I'm okay with that, right? Because if we're going to talk about solutions and moving forward in the future, uh, you have to eliminate the state, eliminate the coercion of government first, uh, and then solutions manifest themselves more clearly. The other thing I'll disagree with uh, in this article is that it's, you know, most people, uh, where is it? Most people, uh, most people accept the idea that it's wrong to initiate force against those engaging in peaceful behavior. No, that's not true. Because if if that were true, uh, libertarians wouldn't struggle as much in the political arena to get, um, to get laws passed that allow for more of that. They would get more support uh, in elections. Most people absolutely uh, accept the idea that it's it's right to initiate force against those engaging in peaceful behaviors. That's that's a common thing amongst all statists, right? That's a common thing um, amongst uh, most political people in the country, right? It's I want what's mine, and I'm okay with you using force uh, to take it from those that have it, right? The the uh, I'm I'm sure there's a large percentage. Of, of individuals on the left who would he, who want to see uh, the state eat the rich, right? That's the thing. Ta- you know, tax those people uh, because they have too much and I don't have enough. And the reason I don't have enough is because they have so much. And if you would just take it from them and give it to me, then we would all be equal. And that that to me... Um, is not someone who who believes that initiating force is wrong, right? And on the other side, you have the those brown people uh, are trying to are trying to take away our freedoms, bomb their entire country to glass. <clears throat> is also not someone who believes that it's wrong to initiate force against peaceful people, right? They they want to they want to terrorize uh, an entire country or region or segment of the of the planet. Uh, of individuals who did no harm to them, right? Who's, who's, who is only associated, uh, with the government that may have, uh, through geographic association, right? And, and it goes both ways, right? They, they hate, uh, those people hate Americans, uh, not for our freedoms, but because of, you know, foreign interventionist policies. They group all of us in this, the same way that those people are trying to group them, right? They go like all of the, all, they are all bad. Uh, so bomb them all. Uh, and the other way is like, well, they're bombing us indiscriminately. So let's go kill Americans indiscriminately. Um, you know, or at least attempt to right? you know, the, the twin towers and all the other terrorist plots and whatever that, that comes and goes. Um, and it's all it's all ge- geographic association, right? Uh, they live there, so bomb them, and we live here, so bomb us, uh, and it's stupid. But the the idea uh, that it's it's okay to initiate force uh, is clearly there, right? They don't they don't make a distinction uh, on that. And so I don't. I, uh, that's another part of the article that I disagree with is that I think uh, most people are okay initiating force to get what they want, um, and if they're not okay doing it personally, they damn sure support. Uh, the the government, the state of doing it on their behalf with their blessing uh, as evident by their vote or participation in that political arena, right? You know, you, you know whether your vote, whether when you cast your vote, whether you win or lose, uh, whoever wins is going to be doing the things that they want to do for the party that they're associated with, uh, and that's it. So, you know, as far as the article is concerned, <laughs> Right there's there's a lot that I would disagree with because I don't think the conservatives, uh, at least the political conservatives, have the solution. Right, they are one hundred percent against liberty, even if you know in certain areas uh, they're okay. Right, like they they want to reduce taxes on business. Okay, great. Right, that's you know that's 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 good. Uh, for liberty that's good for the businesses that uh, can be good for individual consumers down the line uh, but that does not a libertarian make that does not an anarchist make or, or voluntarist or any any of those uh, terms um, that I'm going to consider you know synonymous and catch-alls and I'll get some heat for that later um, you know they they're they just it's incompatible which is which is why it's important uh, to have 
uh, you know, an, another term for it, which is the, the libertarian, the small L, not the big L. I don't need a political party, uh, but libertarian or anarchist or whatever, who actually believes, uh, like I said earlier, in the non-aggression principle or the non-aggression axiom. Um, there's, there's nothing libertarian uh, about the Republican Party. It's just their, in, and it goes the same for the left and the Democratic Party. There's nothing libertarian about it. Do they have certain uh, values that overlap with uh, libertarian values, sure, but not in principle. You know, it has they, they they it has nothing to do with principle for them. It has nothing to do with the non-aggression principle of of letting people be free, right? Because it's only it's 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 their their value system imposed on everyone else, not removed from everyone else. It's not do as you please so long as you don't harm anybody else. So long as there's no rights violation. It's do as we say, uh, because our values are clearly superior, right? There are, you know, Medicare and, and uh, school for all is clearly superior uh, to freedom. And, and welfare for all is clearly superior to freedom. And on the other side, you know, wars, uh, it's clearly superior to freedom. And bombing those people clearly, you know, it, it's, all, it's all their value system uh, imposed on everyone. And that's clearly uh, anti-freedom position. Um, and I don't think I need to, to say too much more um, about this article because it just highlights, you know, uh, another aspect of, you know, the confu- I'm going to say the confusion uh, with libertarianism and that, that it transcends uh, the, the libertarian party or libertarians in general. And it, and it manifests in different ways, like single party issues. Uh, on, on either side of uh, in, on either party side, right, can appear to be libertarian uh, up front because they go, oh yeah, that that looks good. Like I can support that. Yeah, you know, uh, let's 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 lower taxes. Great, you know, good. I does that make me a Republican? No, not at all. Right, uh, I support helping poor people. Does that make me a no? Not at all. Just you know, it's just part of your value system. Uh, and, and again, uh, I've always, I've always said mechanism matters. Uh, the, how you go about doing that is as important as the goal that you're going for. Um, so if you want to help poor people, the elderly, the infirm, the sick, you know, children or whatever, uh, do it on your own dime. I don't care. Uh, and saying that doesn't make me a Republican, doesn't make me a conservative. Uh, it makes me an advocate for freedom and the freedom to choose and the freedom to opt into, you know, social programs as I see fit. Um, and that's the, that's the core, right? Does it adhere to the non-aggression principle or not? And if the answer is no, uh, then be gone with it. And if the answer is yes, and you can fund it voluntarily, uh, you know, privately, uh, with, without stealing from other people, uh, great. Let's, let's make that happen. I, I, I may not support your cause, uh, but I will definitely support, uh, your ability to, to do it voluntarily on your own, uh, without reaching into my pocket for support. Uh, so yeah, it's not just conservatives against liberty. It's conservatives against liberty, uh, liberals against liberty, Republicans against liberty, uh, uh, Democrats against liberty, libertarians against liberty, uh, even uh, because it's, you know as as long as you're looking to seek the power and the force of government uh, to to affect the lives of people, um, it, it seems pretty anti-liberty to me. Which is why again, uh, voluntarism fine, anarchism fine. Just leave me alone. And again, even not all types of anarchism, even right, because you got the those those red ancoms uh, who will squash all forms of liberty to achieve equality. Like for them, liberty isn't even the goal. Equality is the goal, which is utter nonsense as well. Uh, but we won't get into that. So, liberty is liberty, and everyone you know not advocating for or not working towards uh, liberty. Uh, is definitely against it in some form or fashion, and again, that's why you know it, when, when you look at the metrics, metrics, metrics uh, for you know people who are a- actual advocates for liberty, the percentage is so goddamn small. Um, and if you only, if you know, and I don't think that looking uh, only looking at the political numbers uh, matters too much, um, because I think that's a large enough sample size. Uh, for mo- for most cases, you can extrapolate that data out and say, yeah, it's probably a very small percentage of the population um, that's you know liberty friendly or whatever. Even here, uh, in the you know the quote unquote free state, 
of, of New Hampshire, um, you know, population, uh, just about a million or whatever, uh, and less than a couple thousand uh, movers and advocates for liberty uh, currently uh, boots on the ground. I don't know what percentage that is, uh, but it doesn't seem very significant. Uh, and as, as you know, as the uh, project, the Free State Project, uh, winds down, uh, I'm going to say, because, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll continue onward and I'm sure it'll become more important uh, than the goals for which it was set for. Um, but at some point, you know, the, the target number was hit. Uh, the window to move was established, and at some point that window closes, right? And if you don't have 20,000 uh, liberty-loving libertarians, anarchists, voluntarists here, uh, then I don't, I don't know how the project continues after that, right? Is it then just uh, however long it takes to get 20,000, and then and then we'll see. Um, but like I said, the, per- the percentages are so small, um, even, with, even within that, that I don't, I don't see how... Um, I don't see how you can say that there's a significant number of people who are pro-freedom, who are pro-liberty. Uh, the numbers, the numbers seem to not be in our favor. We are at odds with the greater number of individuals out there who believe that force is okay. Um, and at some point, you know, there, there, there's a clash of ideals. There's a clash of values. And like the first article and most of my rant today, um, there's a clash even within uh, those people that agree on it. Uh, you know, fractioning the numbers uh, even further. So there's there's a lot more people against liberty in the world than there are people pro-liberty, um, and that's a problem for all of us who want to live free uh, and in peace. Moving on. All right. Uh, headline, privatizing public lands doesn't mean turning them into shopping centers. Protected public lands in the United States, including national forests, national parks, and similar areas, cover nearly 500,000 square miles, or 14% of the land area of the United States. The existence of these government-controlled lands gives the federal government immense power over much of the United States, and in some U.S. states, the federal government controls a majority of the land area. Uh, And there's a map in the article if you want to read that. more so out west, by the way, just interjecting for a moment, more so out west uh, is the government in control of way too many natural resources. Uh, back to the article. Thanks to the popularity of some public lands known for their natural beauty, federal control of so much land nonetheless remains popular, and the idea of privatizing these lands is considered a radical idea, to say the least. But what if these lands were somehow removed from federal control? What exactly would happen? It is often assumed that public lands would be immediately strip-mined or turned into housing developments. Uh, the economic realities, however, suggest otherwise. After all, because national parks, for instance, have economic value as nature preserves, privatization would not mean bulldozing over every last leaf, tree, and twig in the park. But to the extent that people will turn portions of these parks from their current use as natural recreation areas to other purpose, purposes, it will, be, it will be to address truly urgent economic needs. Valuable tourist attractions. A potential intermediate step towards outright privatization, the case has been made to transfer control of the federal lands to state and local government control. To address concerns with such proposals, Ryan McMacken explains, Contrary to the myth that public lands would immediately be sold to rapacious developers and oil drillers where the lands to fall in the hands of state or local governments, the reality is that public lands such as those in national parks are usually viewed very favorably by surrounding communities and by the voters in the states in which they are located. As tourist attractions and as as giant recreational areas for locals, public lands are quite valuable as indirect sources of revenue for both private and government sector institutions in the in the area. This line of argument for decentralizing public lands from federal and local government control also applies to outright privatization. If popular opinion now heavily favors the national parks, America's best idea, and is repelled by the prospect of diminishing them, would not these opinions be reflected in the marketplace as well? Consider how markets would respond. Considering the role of social media, any developer who tries to build a shopping mall in the middle of Yellowstone would seriously risk supplier and consumer boycotts, shame campaigns from environmental organizations, and the general ire of the American society. 
Additional pressure would come from businesses that currently exist just outside these parks and depend upon them to attract customers into the area from around the world. In part for this reason, if the parks were privatized, their new owners would likely, to a large extent, direct their use in ways that preserved their natural beauty following consumer demand. For example, large portions of the park would simply continue to be recreational areas for hiking, camping, and visiting. But under private owners and land conservation trust, with their own money at risk, not taxpayers. Given the state's abysmal environmental record, uh, the shift from government to voluntary management is overdue. There's no need to rely on speculation to see uh, the voluntary sphere's immense provision of natural recreation and preservation. The evidence already exists. America's, uh, Americans spend $887 billion annually on outdoor recreation, the largest category being trail sports, camping, and water sports. Americans willingly pay more to enjoy the outdoors than they do on pharmaceuticals and fuel combined, with $117 billion in change. Beyond outdoor recreation, the market stewards nature in a more direct way as well. In 2015, private land conservation trusts in the U.S. protected 56 million acres, double the acreage of the national parks in the continental U.S. These trusts, these trusts demonstrate that the public is willing and able to support the environment out of an appreciation of nature and doesn't need to be forced to contribute through taxation. These trusts have nearly $2.2 billion in endowments and funding, over 4.6 million active financial supporters, and received 6.2 million visitors in 2015. At an even larger scale than voluntary land trusts, 441 million acres, the majority of the country's woods and forests, are privately owned. Of those, 95% are classified as family and individual ownership, 4% are classified as corporate ownership, and 1% is classified as other private ownership. Private owners of 10 or more acres rank the top five reasons for their ownership as beauty and scenery, part of home, wildlife habitat, pass on to children and heirs, and privacy in descending order. The number one issue of concern among owners of any amount above one acre is high property taxes. If the goal is to foster more woods and forests, one step would be to eliminating property taxes such that people aren't punished for maintaining or expanding value-adding forests. Thankfully, as nations develop and disposable income grows, we can expect the market of beauty to blossom further. People enjoy living in the shade of oaks and going hiking if they can afford to. Once basic necessities are met, people can increasingly turn their income to aesthetic, recreational, and charitable pursuits which in turn fuels enterprises like residential, landscaping, camping, conservation trusts, etc. Might some privatized area allow drilling and resource exploitation? Yes, but that happens already. Uh, in some national parks, the federal government owns the surface land and private companies own some of the mineral rights below the surface. This situation is called a split estate. There are currently 534 active oil and gas wells across 12 units of the national park system. There are 30 additional national parks with some split estate lands, but no active drilling at this point. A land use that serves humanity. If the public lands were privatized, some of it would be used for the purposes that don't necessarily preserve the wilderness, such as drilling, mining, etc. This prospect is alarming to many, but shouldn't be. This is because there's no reason to assume that untouched land is necessarily the best use of land where, when human beings still need housing, food, and other goods that require land to produce. Fortunately, the marketplace can help human beings strike a balance between nature preservation and other undertakings in a way that proportionately serves human needs. How much of the country's wilderness should remain untouched? Certainly not all of it. After all, preventing any human development whatsoever would require vacating the country of humans. The question is, what mechanism should decide how much and which land should be kept wild, and how much and which land should not, for the sake of development, balancing uh, demand for wildlife preserves with the demand for all other goods? If these decisions concerning trade-offs are left to people acting voluntarily based on private property, the question would be decided using prices and the information about supply and demand contained within them. In deciding whether to use any given allotment of land as a park or whether to use it for something else, business owners calculate the anticipated revenue minus the anticipated costs or profits of each potential option. 
when people anticipate the profitability of projects available to them to decide which to pursue, they're not engaged in some per se nefarious, as is often the connotation of the word profit. A close inspection of profit-seeking reveals two useful processes at work. First, entrepreneurs strive to maximize revenue by finding the way most satisfying the wants of consumers will demonstrate through what they choose to buy. The higher the price consumers are willing to pay for the entrepreneur's goods and services, more the consumers demonstrate that they expect to benefit from whatever it is they purchase. Second, entrepreneurs attempt to minimize costs by using up the least dear urgently needed elsewhere combination of resources as inputs in providing the consumer's desired output. The more urgently a particular input is needed elsewhere in another application, the higher its price will be. As a result, when entrepreneurs seek to minimize their costs, they consciously or not are seeking to accomplish their goals while least inhibiting the resources needed of others. That is, they're maximizing revenue and minimizing costs to maximize profits. If a plot of land is more profitable as a drilling operation than as a piece of recreational park, that means people express greater demand on the margin for additional fuel than for one more camping spot. Using the government's thumb to tip the scale in favor of natural recreation over fuel provision by limiting drilling on public lands prioritizes giving wealthy Americans marginally more camping spots at the expense of raising fuel prices globally for the less least privileged. A balance must be struck in the use of resources between nature preservation and all other potential uses. The market has assigned to nature an enormous multifaceted lot. Privatizing public lands while removing taxes on property and outdoor recreation will further boost the voluntary stewardship of nature of natural preserves. Meanwhile, market freedoms will also grant the flexibility to utilize portions of these parks to serve the consumer's most pressing economic needs outside of nature preservation. Uh, end of the article. Uh, and also, end of the show. Bumping up against the time limit, so I'm not going to comment on that one, uh, but you can read more uh, there. Uh, check out our Facebook groups page for the, the rest of the articles that I didn't get to and find us as always at anarchistexperience.com, uh, minds.com slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, go through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. <laughs>